The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 48 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the Classic Radio Theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two drama episodes of The Lives of Harry Line, starring Orson Welles. We'll begin after this break. The Lives of Harry Lyme was produced in the United Kingdom during the 1951 and 52 seasons. Orson Welles reprised his role of Harry Lyme from the celebrated 1949 film The Third Man, which was based on the Graham Greene novel. The radio series was a prequel to the film and depicted the many capers of con artist Harry Lyme. Lyme engaged in any form of double dealings that brought him cash but used only his wits to make his way and never a gun. British radio producer Harry Allen Towers and his company Towers of London secured rights to the character of Harry Lyme and approached Orson Welles about reprising his role in a radio series that preceded the story told in the Third Man film. Welles was living in London at the time and eagerly signed on. Each episode would begin with an echoing gunshot. Then Welles would speak. That was the shot that killed Harry Lyme. He died in a sewer beneath Vienna, as those of you know who saw the movie The Third Man. Yes, that was the end of Harry Lyme, but it was not the beginning. Harry Lyme had many lives, and I can recount all of them. How do I know? Very simple. Because my name is Harry Lyme. 52 episodes of The Lives of Harry Lyme were broadcast in the UK and in the United States. Time now for the first of two drama episodes of The Lives of Harry Lyme starring Orson Welles. In this first story, Lyme is conning his way through Paris as an expert on the ponies. Pay close attention, because if you've seen the 1973 film The Sting, starring Robert Redford and Paul Newman, you'll notice the story is nearly an identical, although shorter, version of the film plot. Here's Horseplay, starring Orson Welles in The Lives of Harry Lyme. Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With zither music by Anton Karras. If I were an honest man which would be silly on the face of it, this would be my sermon. Any character who gets swindled is asking for it. You can't swindle a man unless he's so full of larceny that his very breathing is crooked. This, to a man of my talents, would be disconcerting if I didn't know that nine people out of ten are full of larceny, like a certain American named Harris, who not so long ago came to Paris for a holiday. Strictly in Mr. Harris's honor, I concocted a juicy little swindle called horseplay.
And now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in Horseplay. My game of horseplay began in the bar of the Creon. To start it, I had to call on a French pal of mine, André Janin. Say it to me again, Harry. The big man over there sitting at the corner table. See him? Yes, but... Look, look, André, all I want you to do is to get into conversation with him. Easy enough? Why not? Then, when you're talking, you find this billfold under the table. Under the table? Where you will have dropped it first. Aha! Yes, yes. And in the billfold, there are papers which will identify it as yours. You return it to me, simple. Be sure to bring this man with me when I return. Let him return it. I'll be in a room here at the hotel. And all these hocus-pocus are to accomplish what? All these hocus-pocus, my friend, will result in Mr. Harris, that big man at the corner table, giving me thousands and thousands of American dollars, as you will see. Andre Janine did his job smoothly. He was sitting down and talking to Harris in a matter of minutes, as though they were old friends. From not too near, I watched discreetly. They were just getting up to go, when suddenly... Oops. Oh, I'm sorry, Monsieur Janine. What? Uh, your foot, I must have kicked him. Excuse me. My foot? But you did not. Let's see what... Oh, it's a billfold. You must have dropped it. Billfold? Dropped it? Oh, not me. I've got mine all right. Well, let's see here. Well, whosoever it is, it's sure one fat wallet. Well, look here at this. Oh, nothing to be leaving around in hotel bars. Seven, eight, ten, fifteen, ten mil franc notes. Must be 400 American dollars anyway. Membership card here to some club. Club de Teuf. Uh, what's that? Sounds like some sort of club where one may place bets on horse races. A turf club. This is English? Oh, sure. A turf club, eh? Ah, uh, fellow's name is Harry Lime. Here, look at this. Looks like some sort of coat cipher. And two race tickets. Uh, and look, look at this newspaper clipping here. From an American newspaper? I guess so. Mysterious racetrack plunger Harry Lyme winning at Belmont this season. Estimated at more than one million dollars. Fella, tell us all right, doesn't he? We'd better ask at the desk or see if there is anybody here in the hotel whose name is, uh, what is it again? Uh, Harry Lyme. Come on, let's ask What do you want? Are you Mr. Harry Lyme? You're a newspaper man. If you are, I don't want to see you. No interviews. Simply will not be bothered by a lot of... One moment, sir, please. We simply called by to ask if you had lost anything. Lost anything? Certainly not. Good day, gentlemen. You sure you have your wallet? Your billfold? It's... Where? Now, just a second. I I... think we have found it, Mr. Oh, come in. Come in, gentlemen. I'm sure you know how sorry I am. Uh... If I seem to be rude, it's just that these reporters, even here in Paris, you know, all the man in I my position... I suppose you I... can uh, identify the bill for oh, I certainly can. Now, let's see. Some cash, maybe four or five hundred in French-American money, a membership card in Club de Turf, a code cipher I use in my business, and, uh, oh, let's see, a couple of cablegrams. Uh, it's yours, all right. Well, can't tell you how grateful I am, sir. You would have put me in a... Here, why don't you take this cash and have yourselves a good time? Oh, nonsense. Don't be no, foolish. Please. Please me very much if you take it. Seriously, these papers here, they're... They're what's of value, although only to me. You're sure I can't repay you by... No, no, mille merci. Well, then, at the very least, you must both be my guests for an evening while you're in Paris. Drinks, dinner, make the rounds of the hottest spots, maybe some girlfriends, huh? Oh, well, no. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, let me place a bet for you just to cover your hotel bill while you're in town. A bet? I'm afraid I do not exactly see what you are... Uh, he means on the horse races, uh, don't you? Well, uh, you mean you have some, uh, let me see, some odd tips. Well, in a way, yes, uh, tips. <laughs> you see... I represent a large syndicate which, uh, shall we say, is beginning to regulate the winning of races at French tracks. I'm merely the agent placing the syndicate money to the uh, considerable disadvantage of French bookmakers and gambling clubs until they fall into line. Actually, this is all confidential. Oh, but of course. Not by me. That's why I was so curt with you when you first came to the door, you understand. I thought maybe you might be newspapermen. Occasionally, they become embarrassingly close to realizing what the syndicate is up to. And naturally, any publicity would... Excuse me. Yes? Cablegram, monsieur. Merci. Tiens, garçon. Oh, merci bien, monsieur. The point is, gentlemen, I'm sent my instructions by coded cablegrams, so you can see what a spot I'd be in without my cipher. So, I'm grateful to you both. I most certainly am. Uh, You mean the bets you place, the races have been fixed in advance? Well, now, fixed is a very unpleasant word, but 
That's about the size of it. That's why it occurred to me that perhaps I could show my gratitude by placing a small bet for both of you, which with good odds would at least make you some cigarette money while you're here in Paris. Excuse me just a moment, will you? What a thing to happen in on, eh, Jenna? What do you mean? Why, don't you get it? Fixed races. An absolutely sure thing. Oh, I've heard of things like that. But heard of them? We have one right here in our room. Gentlemen, lab. gentlemen, this cablegram, I have a very good thing. If you'll just excuse me. Oh, but of course, I'm sure. Miss Charisse, we did not mean to stay here so long as this. Oh, no, 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 please, not at all. I insist you stay here. There are drinks, cigars, seltzer, Perrier water over there on the table. I'll be back in a matter of, oh, 15, 20 minutes at the most. Well. My hat over there. Yes, there. Now sit right down, make yourselves at home, both of you. I'll be back in a jiffy. Yeah, put something on it for us. <laughs> So, I leave this man, Harris, in my room with Daniel. There he sits, thinking of the possibility that he'll make some money on a sure thing. A fixed horse race, with no risk whatsoever to his own pocketbook. Not bad, huh? What's wrong with that? Probably, like Harris, you'd feel you don't know for sure yet that I'm maybe not some kind of a nut. But at least you'd have to admit I had good whiskey in my room, good cigars, I could rent a comfortable hotel suite. And in 20 minutes or so, I'd be back. With a big smile on my face. Still here? Ah, good. We were wondering, Mr. Oh, you know, I was afraid maybe you'd have left before I got back, before before I'd even gotten a chance to learn your names. Did you think of that? Oh, stupid. Pardon, monsieur. I am André Janine, Mr. Lang. And you, sir? My name is Jack Harris. Jack Harris. Mighty pleased to have met both of you. While I think of it, here you are, Jenny. I got odds of four to one, another 80,000 francs for you, Harris. Well, say, what do you know? Hey, goodness, sir. Thank you. It's like it grows on trees. <laughs> yes, sir, just like it grows on trees. 80,000 francs, about $200 for my sucker friend, Harris. And he never lifted a finger. That's living man, way up high on the hog. Just as Harris himself says. Just think, Janet. The only limit is the capital you've got to put down on a race. How about that? Eh? How about that, indeed? See what I mean about nine out of ten being larcenous? And, of course, before this afternoon is over, another cablegram has been delivered, another bet placed, just as a convincer. And when I come back into the room... I hope you don't mind. I had them give it to me in big bills so it wouldn't be a nuisance for you to carry around. Oh, a nuisance? Oh, a hundred, two hundred? Well, this will add up to eight hundred American dollars. That's not what I call a, a nuisance. Oh, Now, to be sure, Harris has some 300,000 francs of my money in his pocket, but I don't need to worry too much. He won't run away. He's too anxious to get some more of this money that just grows on trees. Overnight, I leave him in the company of my friend Janine, for I have work to do to prepare the appearance of the Club de Turf. It's all a phony, of course. Staffed by my pals, all set up just to pluck Mr. Harris, just to separate him from some of his nice little old American greenbacks. And sure enough, as expected, next morning, he's back knocking at my hotel room door. Ah, come in, come in, come in. I was hoping you fellas show up. Drinks? I think none for me, thank you. For me, I can use one. Oh, after last night, I was celebrating my winnings in those uh, fixed races. Uh, help yourself, Harris. Yes, sir. I'm glad to see you. I need someone I can trust. Now, after the way you two returned my wallet yesterday, I know you're both dependable. Well, anything I can do. You can do me a favor. Pick yourself up a little change at the same time. Here's my problem. The manager over at the club de is getting suspicious of me, I'm afraid. He's... Just before telling me I'll have to place my bet somewhere else. <laughs> I should think. After all the money you must have taken away from So, me. now, if you two would take this guest card, it'll get you into the club, okay, and place a bet for me. I've got a horse in the fifth race. Bet him to win. And I'll give you a, I'll give you a blank check. Blank check? Uh, on credit. My, my credit, of course. Besides, you still have the few hundred thousand francs you won yesterday. Yes. Uh, Harris, you got your 300,000? Right here. Okay, here. You give yours to Jan in here. That makes 600,000 for the two of you. Now, are you listening? Yeah, sure. This right. is very important. Do exactly as I tell you, Johnny. When it comes time to bet, you make out and sign this check for 15 million francs. Don't let these figures unsettle you, Harris. It just sounds like a lot of money. Translated, that means only about 50,000 American dollars. Place the check together with your cash on Dancing Cloud in the fourth race at Chantier. The odds should be about four to one. That would net you at sea. Well, it's more than 200,000 American dollars. What a way to make money! 
<laughs> oh, uh, by the way, Liam, I don't speak much French. Oh, don't right? worry about that, Harrison. The club to do it. Most of the betters are English or American anyway. All the business transacted in English if you don't speak French. Oh, fine. Well, come on, let's go, Janet. Now, please. One moment, Monsieur Lyon. Yes? I don't have 15 million francs in cash to make that check good. I don't like the idea of putting my name to a check for 15 million. Oh, now, look, Janet, don't worry about that. This guest card assures you credit. Then when you win, you take up the check. Where's the trouble? Yes, but what if we lose? Oh, don't be a dope, Janet. You can't lose. It's a sure thing. (laughs) You catch on quick, Harris. You can't lose. Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Orson Welles, as the third man, continues with horseplay. Matt Harris was a pleasure swindling him. The smarter, the shrewder, the sucker, the quicker he'll tumble. Now it was up to Janet to steer into the rooms I'd rented and decorated. It looked like a horse race betting room. A few comfortable chairs for the patrons. All my friends, the patrons. A blackboard on which a man chalks down the odds in each of the race at three or four different tracks. A cashier behind his wicket window, paying out huge bundles of francs on pretended bets to the pretended club members. The, the whole thing a fancy front to impress my rich American Harris, whose breath by now is coming faster, whose eyes are shining. Brighter, for he's about to make a huge profit on a sure, crooked wager. Quite a place, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. First time I was ever in a place like this. See, the man with the headphones up there at the ball? Oh, yeah. He's talking down the yard, no? The results, too, I guess, of other races. Yeah, yeah. There's the cashier's window. Yeah. Do you think we should make the bet now? But are the odds right? Well, over there, see? Oh, sure. Well, I guess. Uh, yeah. You got that blank check? Right here, but it's not blank anymore. Well, come on, let's get up that window. Are well, the odds on Don? Right. Oh, sure, Forty-one. Sure, sure, come on, hurry up, Janet. I won't feel right till that bet is down. All right, just so. Yes, sir. I want to place this on Dancing Cloud in the fourth at Chantilly. Mm, if you don't mind, sir, I'd like to see your card. Oh, fine, thanks. Dancing Cloud in the fourth at Chantilly. Check for 15 million francs and 600,000 in cash. All one bet is that? Why, yes, all one bet. Here's your ticket, sir. Fifteen million six hundred thousand francs on Dancing Cloud. Thank you. Next, please. Afternoon, Marcel. One million francs across the board on Beaumarchais, please. Come on, Janet. Let's sit up near that collar. I'm worried. My name on that check. Well, why worry? How can you lose? Besides, everybody I hear was betting on Beaumarchais in this race. Relax, Janet. Relax. Lisa, there. Did you hear him? He did not even mention Dancing Cloud. Oh. Well, I guess they don't want to make it look too raw, you know. Why did I put my name on that check? Fifteen million francs? Oh, you'll be all right. Look at the way all these men around us are taking it. Sure, there are money on Beaumarchais. See, there. There. Dancing cloud. Third. Just how long do these races last? Do you know? No, a minute or two, I guess. Oh, it's awful. I the race is probably over by now, and we sit here. My name on that check, 15 million. Do you think there's some mistake? Why did we do it? A man we never saw before yesterday. But he did win with us that money, didn't I he? I know that. There'll be some mistake. There's some reason for I bet he's not even there. Listen. Winner in the fourth at Chantilly. Just a moment, sir. I'll check this count. Look at all that money. 
All right, sir, if you'll just count it, please. One moment, please, gentlemen. Yes? Uh, I am the manager here, gentlemen. Would you mind telling me how you got here? This is a private club, you know. Well, I do, but uh, I have my card right here, and... Well, no, huh? Uh, credentials seem valid, but uh, you have a pretty large wager here. Uh, Marcel, uh, did you take this gentleman's check? Yes, sir, right here. Uh, well, you have won this bet. The money is yours. Uh, we'll put this check through the bank, and if they approve it, you'll be paid off. We'll impound your money right here. You are stopping in Paris, aren't you? Huh? Just until the bank reports back. But, uh... And by all means, keep your ticket. It's your receipt, gentlemen. A good day. Uh, just a moment, please. Yes? I prefer that you did not bank this check immediately. Huh? What is that? Well, well uh, I'll have the cash deposited in a local bank very soon. Matter of a few days, and you can clear it through. But oh. right now, I'm a little embarrassed for funds in my then own you bank. you should not have written that check. Illegal, monsieur. Well, all right. I'll hold your check for a short time. Say, uh, a week? A week? Oh, it's irregular. But, uh, all right. You either deposit the 15 million francs in our bank or bring it here to the club within the week. That will show you could have paid the bet in the event you lost. Good day, gentlemen. Poor Harris. Poor Harris. I wish I could have been there to see him, how his face must have fallen, to see all that money, real money, too, right in front of him, be reaching out to take it. Ah, 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 not yet. So Harris, a very disappointed little sucker indeed, comes back to the hotel with Janine to talk it over with me. Don't you think that my getting us a week's time was pretty smart? Oh, sure, sure it was, but we still have to lay our hands on 15 million francs to make that check good. You're exactly right, Harris. Well, Janine, how much cash can you raise? Cash? Mm, yes, cash. Yeah, let's see. I have about three and a half million francs in government bonds. I can cash those on short notice. Oh, how about you, Harris? Could you raise the other 11 and a half million? That's only about 37,000 American dollars. Well, I've been thinking about it, Lime. Worrying. On the way over. You know, most of my money back in the States is tied up in real estate. Mm. As far as I figure it, I can't raise more than 28000 in a hurry. Now, that leaves us stuck for 9000 Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I have a bank account here in Paris. I just hope my principals back in the States never hear about this, but I guess I can take the chance of letting you have the other 9000 until this thing is cleared up. Shouldn't take long. Oh, it would be wonderful if you would. This next day or so is crucial. Until Harris's cash can be cabled from the States, I've got to be sure that he's kept on ice. $28,000. It's worth all the time and effort. Two days, three, and his money arrives. Janine, Harris, and I walk to the club to turf together, Janine carrying the 15 million francs. So we get to the club. I look up from decoding a cablegram, which was handed to me as I left the hotel. Hmm. It's Maldemare in the third race at Chantier today. Three to one. Maldemare, yeah. yeah. I guess we better look up that manager. There he is. Oh, uh, monsieur. Huh? One moment, please. Uh, you want him, gentlemen? You remember Janine and Monsieur Reis here. Oh, I'm afraid I... That bet for 15 million. You held up our check until... Oh, yes, yes, indeed. Just present your ticket to the cashier. I assume you have the money with you? Right here. Yes, sir. Fine, fine. Just throw the ticket and the money to the cashier. At the bottom of the first of the quarter, theater <coughs> by, by one, prickly heat by half, and blue booty. Come on, Shannon, cash that check, the ticket in. I'll just see if the odds are now, Lemaire, three to one. Golly, my share of that dough at three to one? Yes, sir. This ticket, my receipt for uh, the manager told me just to show it to you. Oh, yes, Monsieur Janine, is it not? You have the 15 million in cash? Right here. Yeah, the odds are three to one, all right. Fine. Money, please. Now then, that's 78 million francs, right? <laughs> that's right, I believe. Mm, these packages are 10 million apiece. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's 70 million. And uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think that's right. Count it, please. Well, why don't you place it on Maldemere? The second race is up. I think I'll watch the marker. That's a good idea. Put it all on Maldemere to win. First time for the second at Chanty was 205. Off time was 25 and a half. They're off and running in the second of Chantilly. 78 million on Mal de Mer to win. And here's your ticket, sir. Great heavens, a half million dollars for me. Well, oh. gentlemen, a cooling drink while we wait. <sighs> did you place the money, Janine? Yes, I did. I hope nothing goes wrong. Here's the ticket line. Good Lord, man. You bet this horse to win? I said place. That horse will run second. At the quarter, ahead, dilemma, heart, and... Uh, I say, manager, oh, uh, can, we, can we exchange this ticket from a win ticket to a place ticket? Oh, no, no, really, no, no, sir. But it's very important, and I beg of you, please... I know, really, this is ridiculous. 
The race is already but being won. But it was won. a mistake, monsieur. I assure you that it was my intention that the wager should be for place, not win. I am sorry, sir. Nothing can be done after the marker has called the of time for the race. Rules of the house. Oh, you dumb ox, Janine. My $9,000, I ought to thrash you within an inch of... Uh, gentlemen, gentlemen, oh, please, please, please. Support me. Take your hands off me. Don't start, you crook. You throw my money away. He ruined me, too. Let me... Gentlemen, gentlemen, please. No, 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 no. Oh, of course, we left my specially rigged club as quickly as we could. Janin was sprawled in a welter of blood, and Harris, you may be sure, was stark, sheer, 100% terrified. But don't you worry. This was all just fun for the kiddies, just horseplay. The bullets I fired were blanks. The blood all over Janine's handsome Gallic profile was chicken blood, spurting out of a punctured bladder at the opportune moment. After all, we now had my friend Harris's 28,000 American dollars, didn't we? So our only problem is to terrify him into leaving town without peeping to the police. In my hotel room, I poured him a drink. Here. Here, Harris, old man. You need this. Oh, thanks. I'm afraid I killed him. If you hadn't, I would have... I never should carry a gun. When I lose my temper, old man, I go crazy. We've got to think. The worst of it is, I've involved you as an accomplice. Good Lord, that's right. The one thing, it was a private club. Now, look, you better pack, old man. Got an Italian visa? Uh, No, yes. Go go to Italy. Try and get rid of that suit somewhere. There's blood spattered on it. Throw it it off the train, perhaps. Uh, Yes, but where in Italy? Oh, in Italy. There's my wife, my business. Can't you lie low for a while, just a week or so, until we find out whether that that fool Janine dies or not? I'll tell you. Go to the Hotel Splendide in Rome. I'll wire you there. I'll get you out of this. Oh, yes, I'll get you out of this, old man. I feel, after all, that I am partially responsible for all this. Oh, it's awfully good. Nonsense, nonsense, old man. You do the same for me. Now then, into the bathroom. Go on, wash up. There's a train to Rome in 30 minutes. Yes. And you've got to be on it. I will. He was, too. And I sat back. Quietly savoring a highball, mentally spending my lion's share of his $28,000. My expenses weren't more than 8000 tops. <laughs> what a wonderful horseplay it had been, to be sure. Hmm. This would be Janine with the loot. Yeah? Ah, Janine, my sweet, my lovely, my dove, my pigeon... Where's the dough? Hey, the flicks, the French cops, they the, raided your the club cops? right after you left. No, you're kidding. Did all the caretakers lay their hands on, arrested Louis and Bertrand what? and René and the whole crowd. Truth be here, which is all I could grab before How much? I How much did you get? Our original stake, Harry, and a small profit. How much profit? Two mil franc notes, Harry. One apiece. Two dollars and a half. <laughs> Harry Lyme returns in just a moment. successful failures I've ever had. But there's a sunny side to it. I'm still at liberty and not in prison. This is a great advantage in my business. I'm not at all depressed, for I know that this is a lovely world full of Jack Harris's, and I assure you I will meet another such very shortly. Until then, if you're going to spend money on horses, be sure they're on the merry-go-round, or the most you can lose is the brass ring.
And that's The Lives of Harry Lyme with Horseplay, starring Orson Welles from November 23rd, 1950. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another drama on the lives of Harry Lyme, starring Orson Welles, after this break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Lyme is traveling to Algiers and the Kasbah and meets a young woman at the Barbary Queen in need of help. Here's the dark enchantress on the lives of Harry Lyme, starring Orson Welles. Presenting Orson Welles as the third man. The Lives of Harry Lyme. The fabulous stories of the immortal character originally created in the motion picture The Third Man. With zither music by Anton Karas. I once thought I knew all about women. Hmm. Of course, I was pretty young at the time. How was I to know that Nursie would squeal on me? Till I soon grew up, and since then I've made a few simple rules. Blondes cannot be trusted. Redheads aren't reliable. And if you want to avoid trouble, never get mixed up with a brunette. Yes, if you follow these rules, life is much more simple. There's only one trouble, it isn't any fun. In my life, I'm glad to say I've had a, a lot of fun. Take that time in Algiers. Some people say you live and learn, but I, for one, prefer to learn and live. Now, Orson Welles as Harry Lyme, the third man in The Dark Enchantress. Ah, Algiers. Algiers. You've all heard of it. Algiers, the port of mystery and intrigue. Invaded by the Phoenicians, the Carthaginians, Romans, Vandals, the Byzantines, the Arabs, the Turks, the French, and Harry Lyme. Algiers. Oh, yes, you've all heard about it. A city that is all things to all men. Algiers the Indianapolis of North Africa. Then there's the Kasbah, made so popular some seasons ago by Mr. Charles Boyer. But jokes apart, there is a place there where tourists definitely aren't invited and where I'm welcomed, or at least permitted, to enter. And it's called the Barbary Queen. Harry Lyme. Welcome back to the Kasbah. I've been saving your favorite table here for... How long is it? How long? Oh, too long, Tutu. I see the Barbary Queen hasn't changed. Same sights, same smells. Haven't your customers gone home since my last... Mm, please, mon ami. It's not so much like the old days anymore. The Barbary Queen is becoming almost dull. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> oh, 
Almost dull, eh? Two, two. Nothing ever happens. How many throats are slit on a night when things do happen? No, no, shan't. These fakes is not making me trouble. Hello, stop it. No, no. Stop it, I'll kill you. Hold them out, hold them out. <laughs> All right, the fight is finished. The trouble is over. You have not been served yet, monsieur? Oh, Tutu is wrong, it appears. The trouble is just beginning. That depends on what you call trouble. May I join you? Allow me. Thank you. You haven't been to the Barbary Queen before. Uh, not recently, not since you joined the staff. Ah, Magda, I'm glad you discovered my friend. This is Harry Lyme. You treat him good. He's a fine man. I shall do my best, Tutu. Now, I send over two drinks on my house. <laughs> Tutu's a busy little bee. Your friend's a Tutu and you're an American. Few Americans ever come here. And none of them are friends with Tutu. Oh, we aren't exactly bosom chums, Tutu and I, but we've been partners in a couple of deals. Oh, so that's it. I knew you must be valuable to him. You, Magda? Just how valuable are you? To you. Uh, we'll take that up in a minute. What's your connection with Tutu? I sing. I entertain the customers. Mm -hmm. That's what it says on your passport. With your looks, you've got to have a couple of rackets. Maybe I can help. <laughs> and you, Harry Lyme. You're one of those men who profess to know women too well. Not me, honey. I profess to know nothing whatsoever about your sex. I just enjoy it. You know, Harry Lyme, I'm a little sad for the years I didn't know you. <laughs> well, don't burst into tears, honey. Remember, to know me better is to like me less. Is that a warning? As you like. I like it very much. Here you are, Harry Lyme, the refreshment. <laughs> just about time to do your... Your Magda had me backed into a corner. Where is she not the one? And Magda, after you finish the drink... Another song, please, no? Ghost Tutu. But for now, just enjoy yourself. Now, what were we saying? I believe uh, I was warning you about me. Oh, yes, and I was... Magda. Oh, Magda, I'm so glad I found you. I was scared to death. I thought perhaps you'd gone home or Susan. something. Susan. Oh, say, the Barbary Queen is turning into a regular grab bag of surprises. Since when do high school girls cavort about in such a den of iniquity? You're an American. Did you think you were the only one? <laughs> You don't have to be nasty about it. Susan, I thought I told you never to come to the Queen. Oh, but Magda, I wanted to hear you sing. You have no business in the Cosborough at all. It's dangerous for tourists. Particularly for a young girl like you. Oh, it was all right, Magda. Nobody paid any attention to me. And I arrived here just in time to see the last of the fight. Wasn't it thrilling? You must leave, Susan. I can't give you any time tonight. As you see, I'm working. Go back to your hotel. I'll see you tomorrow. That's the way you want it. That's the way I want it. You're not angry? No, no, of course not. Go now, Susan. Like a good girl. All right, then. I hope I didn't cause you any trouble, Maggie. Oh, these Americans. You try to be nice to them, show them around. Well, I'm an American. You? <laughs> You're not an American or a European or anything. You're Harry Lyne. I drink to our long friendship. Thanks, honey. Now you better go sing your little song. I've got something to attend to. Susan, that's what you're going to attend. Honey, to. you're a mind reader. That's school girl. Well, there's nothing wrong with getting an education. School girls are okay with me, particularly when they're cute little redheads, but I I don't think they've got much business in the Cosborough, not in this part of it, not this late at night. It just occurred to me that your friend Susan may have more trouble getting out of the Cosborough than she had coming in. Very well, Harry Lyon. If you wish to be gallant, when you tire of her, then you know where to find me. I'm always here, or in my rooms above the cafe. Okay, honey, now if you'll excuse me, you'll see You're very song. insulting, Harry Lyman. Now I'll tell you something. I don't care whether you come to see me or not. I don't care whether I ever see you again. Magda, honey, don't say I didn't warn you. Remember, to know me is to loathe me. <laughs> the Magda Polarises of this world are an old story to me, but this particular one had an interesting uh, agenda, one I couldn't quite fathom as yet, so I gave her time to solve it for me. Meanwhile... There was this young Susan. I found her at the doorway of the Barbary Queen, peering somewhat uncertainly down the narrow cobbled streets of the Casper. It's no use waiting for a streetcar. What? Oh, you're the man who was with Magda. Yes, I was just leaving. Suppose we scram out of here together. Thank you, but I can take care of myself. <laughs> I can take care of myself. A familiar title. So many sad little stories of girls like you. You're going to start lecturing. My dear Susan, a lecture. 
is the farthest thing from my mind. If you want to get kidnapped, it's your business, not mine. I think it's silly. The Casbah's no, no more dangerous than Marcus. Marcus, I thought you hailed from San Francisco. What? Knob Hill, no family, isn't that right? How did you? <laughs> it shows, Susan. It shows. Even the dusky shadows of the Casbah. Don't your parents worry about you? Never mind my parents. I never minded my own. Of all the fresh. Oh, all right. I'll go with you. Okay, the routine wasn't sparkling, I know, but it worked. It worked. I'd smelled money from the first moment I set eyes on Susan. Well-known lime luck was in. Just how it would pay off, I had no idea, so I took Susan to the edge of the Cosmo, found a cab for her, and was just sending her off home to Mother when I noticed a bulky individual observing us a little too closely. He caught my eye and then left the neighborhood fast. I pondered this over a cup of so-called coffee at a friendly tavern and then went on to my own hotel. Come right on in, Harry Lyme. Well, <laughs> this is a night of surprises. Who are you? You can call me Mike Nolan. Oh, you're a detective. Right oh. on the button, Mr. Lyme. What do you want for a prize? A Cupid doll, maybe, or a genuine plaster of Paris in Genestre? Uh, how would you like me to call the manager? Or haven't you heard about invasion of privacy? Seems there's some sort of law. You were suspect the minute you landed in Adjir's Lyme. Next thing I know, you're chaperoning Susan Claremont. Who? That's pretty fast work, Eve, for you. You seem to be speaking English, Nolan, but I don't get it. Passing over the fact that I'm suspect, as you call it. Just who is Susan Clem? Oh, well, Susan. See the light, Mr. Lyme? That girl I put in the cab The same. Hmm. It may interest you to know that her father asks us to keep an eye on his daughter. He's worried. Seems she's taken up with the wrong friends in Algiers. Mm-hmm. After tonight, I can see why. Sounds like he has money. Mr. Moneybags himself, as if you didn't know. No, I didn't, but thanks just the same. And you may tell the authorities that I was merely escorting Miss Claremont to safety. You? <laughs> you may also advise her father that his daughter went into the Casper quite alone. If he's so concerned about her welfare, he might devote more time to her whereabouts. But... Good night, Mr. Nolan. We're only engaged a single here at the hotel. If you insist on staying, I'll have to notify the management, of course. You'll pay the additional fee for your stay. What? Ah, oh, well, they warned me you were a slippery line. But if you try any funny business, just remember... We're wise to you. Good, good. I expect the same protective interest from the authorities that they extend to other American tourists. Okay, wise guy, but watch it. Good night, Mike Nolan. In my business, twists of fate are a specialty. I usually know how to keep the police wondering where I am during working hours, but just let me take a vacation, and all the authorities in town are suddenly very busy. In this case, the cops worrying about Susan only whetted my interest. I hadn't a notion of the spot she got herself in the next afternoon. 352, 350. Oh, this must be it. Oui? Oh, but what a charming visitor. Oh, I must have the wrong address. I thought this is where Miss Polaris... But of course, you are Suzanne. Magda told me to expect you. Oh, then I am in the right place. Mais oui. Please come in, mademoiselle. Magda will be somewhat delayed, but uh, she told me to amuse you. After all, she planned this rendezvous for us. <laughs> Susan, this, is, this can become a habit. Oh, please. Parents mustn't know. No, 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 no. Thank you, no. You you spell trouble for me, Susan. Just, just go your own sweet way and I'll go mine. Please. Hey, wait a minute. What's wrong? Oh, she's been drugged. Oh, no, she's done it. All I need is for Mike Nolan to walk by and see Susan draped in my arms like this. Oh, if I must, I must. Taxi. Taxi. Yes, monsieur. Uh, you heard me. I want a taxi. No taxis, monsieur. Please, buy a rug. I don't want a rug. Get me a horse and carriage. Streets too narrow, monsieur. Like to see some pretty girls, dancing girls. I got my own pretty girl. We're not going dancing. She's unconscious, and I want to get her, get her home quick. Get me a donkey or something. Get me a camel. Get me a helicopter. Get me out of here.
Orson Welles returns in just a moment as the third man. Now, Orson Welles, as the third man, continues with The Dark Enchantress. I didn't dare take Susan to my place. It was just possible she was a police plant. So I took her to the last place I ever thought Harry Lyme would enter, the convent of the Little Sisters of Charity, just off the Casbah. The poor child. This is a terrible thing, Mr. Lyme. Where am I? You are quite safe, my child. And you fainted, Susan. I, I, I brought you to this convent. But Charles. Charles? There is no one here by that name. Oh, what a fool I've been. Uh, would you like to tell us just what happened, Susan? Oh, no. Just leave me alone. Perhaps you should take this matter to the police, Mr. Oh, no, Lyon. no. I think her parents are the ones to judge that, sister. Oh, no, they mustn't know. I'll get the money from Dad somehow. Money? Oh. Come, come, my child. Tell us what happened. Nothing is so bad that the little understanding won't ease. Well, I went to Magda's apartment to meet her, I thought. But he was there instead. He? He said his name was Charles Poncare. He, he was very good-looking, about my height and dark. He said Magda had arranged the meeting and he served cocktails. And it was after that that things grew hazy and I, I don't remember. Mm, Mickey's... What, Mr. Lyon? Yeah, uh, Susan was evidently drugged, sister. The, the cocktails were drugged. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> when I came to, Charles was very different. He said if I didn't get him 5,000 pounds, he'd tell my parents I'd been alone with him. And, and he knew all about me and where we were staying. Everything. There, 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 Charles. How did you manage to get from Magda's rooms over the Barbary Queen to where I ran into you, Susan? Your condition certainly didn't warrant it. But Magda doesn't live above the cafe, Mr. Lyon. She said she was staying at 356 Rue Madeleine. Rue Madeleine? I fought with Charles and I ran out in the street and I didn't know what I was doing. Mr. Lyon, this is Rue Madeleine. That 356 address is almost across the street. The building on the corner. Oh, so Magda keeps two establishments. She must have given me the wrong address. What'll I do? Go home to Mother and tell all. That's what you do. It's the only way, Susan, unless you prefer the police. Oh, no. You happened into an unscrupulous blackmailer, and the best way out of the trouble is to inform your parents what has happened and then leave the rest to me. Oh, you'd do that for me? I, uh, well, I find I do have an Achilles heel, oh. my dear. Oh, how can I ever thank you? Oh, no, no, don't start weeping again, or we'll flood out the little sisters of charity. Uh, come on, Susan. Let's get to your parents before I change my plan. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Claremont were exactly what I'd expected. Wealthy, well-meaning, and incredibly stupid about the realities of life. All this fitted into my plan perfectly, and as Mother Claremont bustled her child into the boudoir, Father Claremont and I discussed business. This is a terrible thing, Mr. Lyme. Why such a scandal could wreck my daughter's reputation? I can't understand how she could allow herself to get into such a predicament. Well, it happens all the time, but how such things happen to beautiful young girls is beside the point now, Mr. Claremont. The important thing is how to deal with this Charles Poincaré. I'd like to beat him to a pot. And make a pretty headline for the Chronicle. Financier manhandles daughter's blackmailer. Oh, please, hmm? this must never get to the press. That's why I suggest you keep the police out of it. What shall I do Mr. then? Mr. Claremont, do you trust me? You, of course, Mr. Lyme, why you save my little girl. <clears throat> then give me the 5000 in cash. What? Allow me to pay off your blackmailer and see that he doesn't come back for more, Mr. Claremont. Oh. You see, uh, I understand these things. <laughs> pieces of the puzzle were dropping nicely into place. I could see a way of keeping Mr. Claremont's cash and also getting a little more from Mr. Charles Poincare for my silence. See, if you understand these things, there is a certain amount of honor among thieves. So, went back to my hotel, 
There hadn't been any calls. I had a quick bath, shave. Just getting ready to start for the mysterious address on Rue Madelon. When... Yes? Yes? Monsieur Harry Lyme. Who wants him? Charles Poncaire. Well, would you come in, Monsieur Poncaire? Thank you. Need I say I hardly expected you? Vraiment. But uh, since I realized it was merely a matter of time until you visited my quarters, monsieur, I thought I would save you the trouble. Oh, it's very nice, old man, I'm sure, but I... I followed the girl into the street when she fled. I saw her approach you. As simple as that? Oui. And from said meeting, you knew my identity, that Susan would tell me all, hmm? And that you would offer to aid the distressed family that you have, in fact, my $5,000. I see. Your powers of observation amaze me, Mr. Poncare. Susan called Magda and confided in her. And you and uh, Magda? Are birds of a feather, Monsieur mm-hmm. Lyme, even as you are. Oh, oh. Learning this much from Susan, Magda took the trouble to learn more about you. I see. I underestimated the lady. You're not the first one. And now, my money. Uh, first, tell me one thing. Oui. Even though I am a bird of your feather, Poincare, what's to stop me from going to the police with the whole story? You did not think I would allow you to continue living, Monsieur Lyme? Well, there's no harm in asking. So, this is the picture. I hand over the loot and you dispose of me, is that it? But of course. A gun with a silence is a beautiful way to end such a life. Your body will be found, but the world would be most happy to be rid of Harry Lyme. It will not worry about who did it. You sound as though you were enjoying this. I am. I suppose I have no choice in the matter. None whatsoever. Even though I planned how to get much more revenue from Mr. Claremont. 50,000 as a starter. 50,000? And this time no one will tell Magda. We split the take. You and I. Come no closer, monsieur. I was just going to deliver this down payment. (laughs) Ah! (laughs) Missed me. And I track a buck and snare a doe. Let me go, let oh, me go. Oh, no, oh, no, Magda. This is too good a joke, and it'll cost you your 5000 <laughs> Come on, up your hands, both of you. Well, well, Mike Nolan again. You're a busy guy. This is my doing, Mr. Lyme. I try to explain... Well, gentlemen, this looks like the end of the story. The clock has struck 12, the coach has turned into a pumpkin, and the prince has changed into Cinderella. Hey, what are you talking about, Lyme? If you'll take this lady off my hands, Nolan, I'll attempt to explain. Lady? Him? Is that the man of my daughter? Hold it. Hold it, Claremont, Nolan. Allow me to introduce Magda Polaris. You fool, you fool. This is unbelievable. Magda and Charles Panquer are one and the same, Mr. Claremont. She assumed masculine disguise to blackmail her own sex and used her own devastating personality and appearance to hypnotize the masculine. Quite a girl, I should say. Don't believe him. He's trying to talk me into getting more money from you, Claremont. That I believe. Like I said when Claremont told me you were helping him, Lyme, he was jumping from the frying pan into the fire. Looks like we got here just in time. As always, Detective Nolan, you have performed magnificently. What are you trying to give me, Lime? Nothing but praise, you flatfoot. But to Mr. Claremont, I give $5,000, the blackmail fee for which I did not have to pay. I I can't find words to thank you, Mr. Lime. Just wait a minute, Mr. Claremont. This guy's trying to weasel out of a fast deal. I believe what this Magda Dame says. He was in on the deal with her, and he's hungry for more. Mr. Nolan, I asked the authorities to watch my daughter's activities, yet she fell into the worst kind of trouble. Mr. Lyme was the one who saved her. But don't you see his angle? He was trying to... I came here with you to prove to you his innocence, but that wasn't necessary. Mr. Lyme has pleaded his own case and won. What? No, no, he's guilty, I tell you. As guilty as I am. Take this woman away, officer. I'll be down later to prefer charges. Oh, whatever you say, Mr. Claremont. Come on, you, you... I'll get even with you, Harry Lyme, if it takes a hundred years. I don't know how to thank you, Mr. Lyme. Now I'm doubly in your debt. Won't you accept a more substantial expression of my gratitude? This $5,000, for instance... $5,000? With pleasure, Mr. Claremont. With pleasure. Another payoff. What's the game now, Lyme? What are you taking that money for? Charity, old man, charity. Charity? That's a new one. Yes, as a matter of fact, it is entirely new. I'm surprising myself, old man, but then I'm a surprising kind of guy. I swore a solemn oath years ago never to do anything fundamentally decent if I could possibly avoid it, and look what I'm up to now. Taking money again. That's what you're up to, exploiting these people. Nolan, there's a reward out for Magda, isn't there? A reward. Well, don't try to chisel in. The reward goes to me. Now, just a minute. I don't want to be greedy, old man, but I've got my expenses to cover. But you got $5,000. Oh, but that isn't for me, Nolan, old man. No, believe it or not, this uh, 5000 is going to the convent of the Little Sisters of Charity. It's going to Right, work. right, that 
ought to help him off a sanctuary to someone else's wandering daughters. Well, now I've heard everything. Tell you what, old man, I'll cut you in on the reward. Now, you look, you're off your rocker. Now I know it. Lime giving dough to a convent? And splitting the reward with you, Nolan. The reward, a small percentage. If you promise never to tell. About the split? About the convent. After all, old man, I've got my reputation to think of. returns in just a moment. So now, friends, you know all. Harry Lyme, who started his career by putting his hand in the poor box, slipped so far that he even gave some money to a convent. Believe me, I was so depressed after doing it, I got right out of town, took a tramp steamer that night. Funny thing, the name of the ship was the SS Polaris. Hmm, yeah. She had been a beautiful craft. Hmm. Well, well. Heaven help the poor working girl. And so does Harry Lyme. That's The Lives of Harry Lyme with The Dark Enchantress, starring Orson Welles, from February 1st, 1952. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 49 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 49 of the Classic Radio Theater, brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two mystery episodes of The Whistler, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune us in next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>